Thank you for joining us for a new edition of the Pennsylvania Library Association's PA LaunchPod, the podcast that focuses on Pennsylvania libraries and the people who make them special. Every day in Pennsylvania, a librarian impacts the life of a child, family, student, job seeker, grandparent, or the guy next door. This is your opportunity to hear what is happening at a library somewhere in Pennsylvania, maybe even your hometown. Today on PA LaunchPod, we are speaking with Marilyn Holt, Library Services Manager at the Pennsylvania Department of the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh. She is also currently President of the Western Pennsylvania Genealogist Society. Marilyn, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, first of all, Marilyn, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your own background, how you came to be at the Pennsylvania Department of the Carnegie Library, how you got into genealogy, all that kind of good stuff. Okay. When I graduated from library school in the 1970s, there weren't a lot of jobs available in libraries. I worked at a lot of different things. I was a telephone secretary for an answering service, (laughs) and that taught me how to take messages and talk to people over the phone, and that was great training. I was also a skip tracer for a um, collections Uh, agency. And so that taught me how to do research and how to find people. And uh, I also worked as the administrative assistant for a group of psychologists. So I administered psychological tests for them. I made their appointments in the office, kept tracing the, uh, the clients as they went through all of their different steps and making sure that they got all the tests they needed and the results were here. And so um, I even worked with insurance and helped them to make sure they got all their insurance coverage. So I had a very varied background, but I kept looking for work in a library. Mm-hmm. I was on uh, waiting for a call and one day I got a call from the lady who was running our first floor which was the humanities department, and it was the literary department of the library, and she interviewed me for a part-time job. And I did not know that she went to the head of the Pennsylvania department and said, I know you're looking for a part-time librarian, and I've just interviewed someone who would be perfect for you. And so I got a call from the head of the Pennsylvania department. Her name was Maria Zini very lovely Italian maiden lady. (laughs) And um, so she interviewed me, and I did have an undergraduate degree in history. And she said to me, you know, we do genealogy in this department. And I said, I do know that. And I said, I had an interest in it myself. And she said, good, then you can deal with it. (laughs) Because I had no idea that Miss Zini disliked genealogy and genealogists. And so I got the job. So I started as a part-timer, worked my way up, became a full-time staff librarian, and then I became Miss Zini's assistant department head. And when she retired, I became head of the department. So it will be 35 years in December that I began in the Pennsylvania department, and I've never worked in any other department of the library. That's fantastic. Started here and... (laughs) I'll end here, Tom. This will be the uh, the end of the line. But um, that was how it happened. And because Missini had handed genealogy to me, I took off with it. And I started taking classes. And then uh, back then they were correspondence courses. And now, of course, they would be online. Oh, sure. And then in 1988, 
the Carnegie Museum next door wanted to have classes given from the various subject specialists in our department. So I said, okay, I will do a class on beginning genealogy. And I did it. And it was a great success, as a matter of fact. They had lots of people. And so I said, okay, well, I guess this is my thing. So I'm going to claim it. And I became it. And it is my passion. And I've been doing it ever since. That's wonderful. Well, it sounds like your background, like you said, prepared you for it, all your various jobs. And then you just landed in the right spot at the right time. It was all serendipity. Just um, when I, I saw the chance, took the chance, and it made Miss Zini very happy. Well, it's interesting. So that Miss Zini wasn't really interested in doing genealogy. How did the Pennsylvania Department get started? Clearly, she didn't start it. Was it someone before her? Well, the Pennsylvania Department was an outgrowth of the reference department. And what they did was they had a lot of meetings here and groups, such as the Colonial Dames and the DAR chapters locally. And one of the librarians, that was a gentleman back then, the the librarians were all gentlemen, um, put together a display of books on local history and family history that they had in the collection. And uh, the members of the groups were so pleased to see this that they started giving us regular contributions, and they were endowing memorial books as members of their organizations passed on. So we started to accumulate a lot of these books. As we did that, then there was a push to make a Pennsylvania room, and that's what it was, just one room with the books. So um, that grew and grew as the time went on, and we finally became our own department. And we concentrated all of the local history in that room and in that department. And so because we were the local history room, we were also the family history room and the genealogy room. Okay. And, but, but those genealogy books still were one room until that time that uh, Roots uh, came onto TV and electrified the, the nation. We, we really had the same regular people who were looking at the, uh, the DAR books. They were looking at um, the, the registers for uh, New England that we had in book form. They were doing the same kinds of research. So it was a small room and it was adequate for the time. But then when Roots came along, everyone wanted to start to find out about their family history. And that's when the, the concept of family history here in the public library actually began to take off. Mm, okay. Now, back then, obviously, it was just books. Um, has the collection grown to different types of materials at this point? Well, uh, along with everyone else, we have been completely changed by the advent of the PC. Mm-hmm. And then with the PC, everyone was contacting everyone. People were starting to put things online, even back when we had those dot matrix printers. And um, people started to understand that this was a medium that they could use to transfer information, share knowledge, contact other people. So that's what people were starting to do. They were starting to form groups. They were starting to, um, to come together and exchange information. They were posting readings of cemeteries. That was extremely popular. Mm-hmm. And um, indexes to censuses online. And so the whole thing just began to evolve from the books. And as that happened, 
we evolved too and we changed. Um, you know, just uh, last week, all of our computers went down for half a day. And um, so when, of course, when that started, that started about eight o'clock in the morning. So I came in at nine and it's like, oh my. But I found myself turning to all of the things that I used to use. I was grabbing the indexes to the 1850 census and pulling that off the shelf. I was getting out the microfilm that we used for so many years. So actually we managed to help several patrons until uh, we came back up around uh, one o'clock. But it was a good reminder to me just what we did before we depended upon the PC, course, uh, Ancestry, yeah. and the other databases. But we, you know, it was almost instinctive. What can I do to help this patron? Okay, so let me go and grab those things and let's go and revisit that period of time when we were moving forward but uh, still not at the point that we are today. Today I can sit down and I can help a patron, as I've done many times, who comes in, just wants some information. They've got their grandparents' names. I go on to Ancestry. I go on to Family Search. And uh, before I know it, I can uh, print off several years of censuses. I can find um, death certificates for the state of Pennsylvania. I can print all of this off and put it in the patron's hands in a way that is um, almost still amazing to me after all of these years. You're right. The depth of what's available online is, is amazing. And it, but I understand the flip side. Like you said, the moment you lose power, you have to have the books on hand, you know, the books, uh, any old clippings files. So that's great. And all of that, all of that we still have. I okay. still have all of the uh, census for Pennsylvania on microfilm because there are many times when uh, we find ourselves falling back on it to try and analyze what we see online, try and help a patron get a better copy, try and figure out if, if we can uh, do something to enhance what it is that they're seeing on the computer. Okay. Now, if someone does come in, like you said, physically comes into the Pennsylvania Department, how many staff would they meet? Is it more than just you? It sounds like you must have assistants. I do have assistants, and uh, my lead librarian is Amy Welch, and uh, Amy comes to us from um, the academic background, and she is, has an archival background as well as working as a librarian. And so it's wonderful to have her here because if people want to look at manuscript material or people want to um, go in depth on particular subjects, Amy is very, very helpful to me. Um, we do a lot of requests for people to, uh, who want to look at uh, copies of naturalizations. Mm -hmm. They want mm -hmm. copies of the Allegheny County birth and death records, which were transferred to us by the county many years ago. And so one of my part-timers, um, Susie Johnston, is invaluable to me because Susie does all of that research for the patrons. We also get a lot of requests for obituaries from the newspaper. And so another part-timer, Lori, is the person that I rely upon to do the newspaper searches. And uh, I have several people that help me on the desk. I have uh, Deb Bugle on the desk with me. I have Paul part-time. And I have Barry Atkins part-time. Um, our photo collection is all handled by uh, Gil. And Gilbert deals with that exclusively because we have an extensive photo collection that we call the Pittsburgh Photographic Library. And it's about 50,000 negatives that we oh, maintain wow. 
okay. for basically a black and white collection. And the strength of it is the 1850s through the 1960s. And it concentrates on Pittsburgh. And so uh, when people want copies of that, when they want to put scans in their book, or they want a print to hang on the wall, then I depend upon Gil to, uh, to work with them and uh, also deal with any questions they have about the rights for the images, publishing them, things of that nature. So we have a lot of um, staff that when we put them all together makes a very dynamic team. And we, we satisfy a lot of different types of patron requests all along the spectrum in terms of local history and family history. And we all just try to work together. That's great. Uh, do you charge for research? Because it sounds like you do a lot of work for the patrons that come we in. We do. We do a lot of work. We do charge if we are supplying the, uh, the Allegheny County births, deaths, naturalizations, because the county would expect us to charge for that and to roll the, the, uh, the money back into preserving and maintaining those records, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But we only charge $5 per name for a search. We supply our obituaries at no charge, um, but we do, we do put them in the order in which we receive the requests. Okay. So sometimes uh, an obituary search can take us uh, four to six weeks because most people don't stop at one name. You know, I know, you can't we get a whole list of one. family members. It's just like yeah. potato chips, right? <laughs> so they will send us a list of five family members or something. So, okay, so then I always tell them, okay, it's in the research queue. We will do our best to look for it for you. Usually people are satisfied if we send them a scan from the microfilm, and that makes it a lot easier for my staff. We locate it on the microfilm. We simply scan the death notice and send it to them as an email attachment. So well, there's no paper or printing. printing. Or, sure, sure. Exactly. So in that way, it's much more cost effective for us to try and, and serve our patrons and a lot faster for the patron too. I believe it. Do you get a lot of uh, I guess, questions from off-site? People email you? Versus coming oh, in? Oh, we, we deal, I deal with email all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, we have people who send in their research requests in that method. We have people who are just looking for information. Uh, how do I get a birth certificate or a death certificate in a particular time period? What is the name of the building that was at such and such a location? Yeah. Um, I'm looking for information, and uh, I think that it's in the city directory. How can I make a request? And so, um, and then they're looking for a church that used to exist, or they're looking for a uh, municipality or minor civil division that's been absorbed by the city of Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh grew by annexation over time. And in 1907, the Pittsburgh annexed the city of Allegheny across the river. So uh, people are looking, they're confused by where we should find records, where we should find people, what are the, the, the physical boundaries of a particular neighborhood name or a minor civil division. So we get, uh, we get questions by telephone, by email, all day long. And uh, so we're working with those people as well as working with the, the ones who are uh, walking in or sending us a snail mail letter, which we still get lots of snail mail letters. So oh, very, sure, very yeah. busy. <laughs> Lots of things happening, coming at us from all different directions all day long. <laughs> I believe it. You had mentioned, uh, Marilyn, the, you know, the past, how the Pennsylvania Department was founded and developed. 
do you have any plans for the future or anything that you see changing the department or projects you have going forward? We, we do have a lot of plans in terms of the department. Um, at this point, many people are still using ancestry and things here in the department, but we often have people who are simply just, they're using ancestry, they find information, they're not sure what it is they found or where they should go. So we try to make it possible for us to do more facilitating for them and interpreting for them. So I try to prepare my staff to think ahead about the fact that even if people are searching on their own, many times our facilitation is what makes it possible for them to go farther. So uh, I have increased the number of outreach sessions that I'm doing. I, I do outreach usually two or three times a month. And we also have planned uh, many more courses and uh, many workshops here in the library working along with the Western Pennsylvania Genealogical Society. And uh, so we're thinking about that kind of thing all the time. And I also do uh, one-on-ones. So if someone really needs to sit down and work with me one-on-one, I will put an hour aside for them and we'll sit down and we'll talk about their problems They'll tell me about um, what they have, what they want to find, and we try to come up with a search strategy for them. So we're thinking about how people are going to be using uh, the Pennsylvania Department in the future and trying to make sure that we get the information out there that they need. You know, every October we join with the, the Genealogy Society and we have a whole series of mini workshops and uh, small classes for Family History Month in October. So we're already starting to plan all of that. And the Western Pennsylvania Genealogical Society also gives their monthly programs here at the library. So um, I'm already helping them. I'm also the program chair for that too. So I'm also working on their schedule and what we're looking forward to uh, starting again in September. So. Um, we're, we're trying to all the time anticipate what it is that the patrons will need from us and making sure that we can meet that need, that we're always prepared to help them provide information and find what it is that they're, that they're looking for. Oh, that's great. Now, you mentioned the Western Pennsylvania Genealogy Society, that you're the program chair. Uh, how did you get involved with that? Um, there again... <laughs> Well, the, uh, the society existed and um, no one else in the department wanted to join the society or be the liaison to the society. And at that point, they were in, uh, living in with the Historical Society of Western Pennsylvania, a couple of blocks away from us here in the Oakland section of the city. And so I went to one of their meetings and I joined. And immediately, almost immediately, they said, okay, we need a recording secretary on the board. So I said, okay, I'll join the board and be recording secretary. <laughs> and so I became more and more active. Eventually, the Historical Society decided to sell their building, and they wanted to move down to what we call the Strip District here in Pittsburgh, which is down near downtown Pittsburgh. And so um, the Genealogy Society said, um, we're looking for a new home. And so they approached my director, and he approached me, and he said, Marilyn, 
the genealogy society would like to move in here. Do you want them? And I said, yes. And he said, then you shall have them. <laughs> and if that was all it took. And uh, so then they decided to move their headquarters in here with me. And so they've been in here for about a dozen years now. And um, so we are a perfect fit because all of their programming is also my programming. I'm able to work with them directly. Their collection is separate from ours, but it's housed right here. And so you can use both collections and go back and forth. Oh, that's great. And uh, so it, uh, we really, when you put the two of us together, it's the largest genealogical collection in a library in Western Pennsylvania. So uh, we, we have a great synergy and we feed off each other. And I've been on the board ever since. And so um, whatever it is they need, we, uh, we help them with. And then when we need help, they help us. And their volunteers man their desk um, to help people with their collection. But anytime we need to work together, we work together. So it's been a great fit. It works very, very nicely. And um, so we just, um, we're great partners. That is wonderful. It is a perfect collaboration. You're right. I'm glad you guys can work together. Yes. I meant to ask you when we talked about, you know, the past of uh, the department, do you have any thoughts about the future of just genealogical research? Uh, you mentioned how you know, everybody's doing ancestry nowadays. People are sharing information. Are there any trends or things that you see happening in the future, just in the field that might affect you? Well, the, the biggest thing right now, of course, is DNA testing. That's, oh, that's right. Push. Yeah, of course. And uh, we just had DNA Day, um, and Ancestry was selling DNA kits. They had a special on it. Um, we have um, three or four big heavy hitters in DNA. So um, we have collaborated. We just finished a, uh, a five-week workshop um, with Dr. Ray Jones from um, the University of Pittsburgh. And Ray taught this wonderful uh, five-week course on using your ancestry DNA results, interpreting them, and moving them into your charts and the whole thing. So um, that was so well-received that, uh, and we had such a waiting list that he's going to repeat that five-week course for us in May. Oh, that's great. So that is the kind of thing that I think we're going to have to do more and more of because people are going on their own. They're getting the test done, but then it's time to interpret it. And what does this mean in terms of their genealogy? So that is one of the things that I think we have to look for in the future. I have many, many people who call me and they say, what kind of DNA testing should I do? Uh, where should I go with it? So um, I think that that's the kind of thing that we have to prepare for, and um, as a matter of fact, uh, two of my staff, part-time staff, are taking Ray's course next time so that they will be better prepared to answer questions and to understand what the patrons need in terms of coaching and uh, information. Oh, that's great. No, I, that's right. I mean, I've known several people, I remember my family and friends who've done the DNA testing, and I think they've also been inspired by, I remember the name of the TV show with uh, Dr. Gates. Where he investigates people's ancestry. There, he, I think he does actual research, though. It's not just DNA. Yes, well, see, the, the problem is that DNA should just be one more tool in your toolbox. Um, and that's what we want people to understand is uh, 
the uh, the most important part of of remembering this is that no one part of research stands alone. So we want to make sure that people understand that DNA is not going to be the be all and end all. It will not give you answers unless you've done your homework. So what is it that you need to do to get a firm foundation? And then how will the DNA enhance your research and take you off into to different areas? That sounds good. Really good advice. Yeah. Now, a lot of libraries um, have different local history collections. And of course, any library is going to help someone coming in to do genealogy research. What advice might you give, Marilyn, to a smaller library that maybe doesn't have quite the resources you do, but want to help people to come in off the street or email? Again, looking for obituaries or just trying to trace their family tree. I think that one of the best things that you can do is get people started off properly, make sure that they're using the tools that they need. Are they sitting down and filling out a pedigree chart? Uh, Do they have basic information? Help them to organize anything that they have in terms of stuff from the family. If they have uh, birth certificates, death certificates, do they have documents that are in another language? Can you put them in touch with people that will help mm-hmm. to translate that material? But I think the most important thing that you can do is to understand the resources that are available and network with all of the providers that are local. Because you may not have the newspaper that they need, but another group or organization may. So I think it's good that you know what the resources are and can point them in the right direction. We here in Pittsburgh do not have the McKeesport newspaper. It is at the McKeesport History and Heritage Center. So when people contact me, I know exactly what they have, how to contact them. Here's the address, here's the email, here's the, uh, the contact information. Get to them and they will be able to help you and they will have the information that you need. So um, I know what what we have available with our partners at the Archive Service Center at the University of Pittsburgh. I'm familiar with their websites and with their finding aids. So I can get people onto those websites and finding aids. And uh, I think that that's one of the most important things. No library can have it all, and a smaller library simply just doesn't have the resources. But if you know who does have the resources, that's how you can help. We have interlibrary loan here because we have microfilm reader printers. So I can bring in newspapers from the state library, and I know my patrons can use them here. I can bring in newspapers from the Library of Congress and get my uh, patrons what they need in those terms too. So things like interlibrary loan can be a great tool to help you to give your patron what they need and widen your resources. So something like that, you know, and if you know there's an expert like me around, point your patron in that direction. Tell them, contact Marilyn. And people do that all the time with me. And I'm very, very happy when they do. So it doesn't upset me one bit to have people say, you need to call this person, you need to call, that's what I'm here for. And, uh, and that's why I'm here to help. I try to help all of the uh, branch libraries through the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh system. But I also talk to people who are out in our district all the time, all through Allegheny County. And if they need help or if they want to point someone in my way, I'm pleased as punch. 
So I think that any small library can can help to maximize their resources by uh, by collegially working with uh, with everyone that they can. I absolutely agree. I've referred people to our local county historical society. It's good to know, you know who the archives are, people on birth certificates. People often think, oh, they'll be held in the little town I was born in, maybe originally, but then they moved to a county archive. So you need to network. That's right. And, uh, and it's always a pleasure. And it, it can't be more than uh, helpful for the, uh, for the patron. It's also helpful for, your, for all of your staff to know everybody and to work together. That's great advice. Thank you, Marilyn. Now, the last thing I want to ask is something we like to do just for fun because we're all librarians here. And so I have to ask as one librarian to another, do you have a favorite author or genre you like to read when you're not doing genealogy? Oh, um, <laughs> I read the same things over and over again. I love English murder mysteries. I love Nigel Marsh. I love Agatha Christie. Um, I'm reading those books over and over and over again. I never get tired of, uh, of reading them. And, uh, and sometimes I, I will sort of uh, branch off into things like Victorian murder mysteries and things of that nature. But that is really, I, you know, I love to sit down with a good book. Um, I was a, a patron of the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh long before I was a librarian here. This has been my home library ever since I was a small child. And my, um, my parents would bring my sisters and I. I have four younger sisters. And we all became enormous readers, great readers, because my parents were readers. My father read the morning paper and the evening paper. We got Time and Newsweek magazines every week. My mother was constantly reading. And uh, we would come every week, and we would all just take out the, the maximum of all the books we could. And uh, we were just great, great readers. And my mother was a great reader of English murder mysteries. And so after she got done reading them, then I'd pick them up and read them, even when I was young. So uh, I think that's where I got my, my love of reading. I, I am very happy to be left in a corner with a book. <laughs> I think most and librarians, yeah, we love that. It Just, doesn't happen very often, Tom. It doesn't <laughs> happen very often. But, you know, I'm thinking that in probably about a year and a half or two years, I'm going to be retiring. And I am really looking forward to sitting down and reading, reading on the porch, reading in the living room, reading wherever I get a quiet moment. And, uh, and that is something that I really, I'm really looking forward to because I never get tired of a good book. And there are so many out there waiting for me. So I have to work my way through all of them <laughs> when I retire. So that really that is, I, I do other things, of course. I, I'm looking forward to getting back to my crocheting. I love to crochet. And I have all kinds of things I do. Also, I must tell you that I am obsessed with Perry Mason. <laughs> and and it's not just me. My girlfriend Diane, who just recently uh, retired as the the head of the Andrew Carnegie Library in Carnegie, Pennsylvania, came in the other day, and she was all excited. She said, "There's a new station on Verizon, and they show Perry Mason every day from eight to nine and nine to 10. Oh, you must be. And in I said, "Yes." I said, "Oh my God!" It was just like you know. And my my retired chief librarian he's been retired for many years 
is the same way. We, we are we both uh, compare which Perry Mason and Columbo episodes we're watching at the moment. So um, that is my. But again, sorry, mysteries and uh, mysteries and crime. Mysteries That's all and crime. Good. I think, yeah, at least for us, I guess it's better than committing crimes. But, but we're obsessed with uh, with things like Perry Mason and Columbo and Murder She Wrote. So, um, but that keeps me that keeps me going in between um, in between patrons. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, Marilyn, I want to thank you again for taking the time to be with us today at PA LaunchPod, the Pennsylvania Department at the Carnegie Library of Pittsburgh is a wonderful, unique resource for anyone in researching their you know, family tree, delving into the history of Pittsburgh, Allegheny County, and the rest of the Keystone State. For our listeners, we're going to put a link to the department on our blog so that you can check it out yourself. And I'm sure Marilyn will agree with me. We hope that people get a chance to stop by and visit the Pennsylvania Department. That would be wonderful. Everybody is welcome. And uh, if anyone has any questions or wants to contact us, please don't hesitate. We're always glad to hear from you. That's great. Marilyn, thank you again for joining us and have a great afternoon. And you too. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. You can find our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. For more information about this episode and how you could be featured on this podcast, visit palibraries.org slash group slash PA Launchpod. Remember, Membership matters.